But I could buy a smaller coat rack, right? One that doesn't weigh 400 pounds. Yeah, for a lot less. One that specifically doesn't weigh 400 pounds, right? I mean, I, I, it, it's, it's, it's a nice coat rack in some respects, but it, beyond a coat rack, does it do me any good if I'm just hanging my coats on it and putting my shoes on it and everything else? Nope. <laughs> not, not if, it only does me good if, if I use it, right? Sitting right next to it, I have a, a, a tower with a pull-up bar, and, and, um, it, which is very nice for pull-ups, right? It's also nice for... Coat rack, <laughs> um, and, and it does a great job as a coat rack, right? How much good does it do my health as a coat rack? Very little to none, right? I had to put it together at one point, and so there was that, and carrying it into the house was kind of miserable. It was heavy, and so I probably built some muscle there. And then after that, if I don't do pull-ups, it does nothing for me. Everybody with me? As we're moving along in the book of Colossians, um, Paul is, um, I'm going to give a little background here. Laura will be doing communion music, apparently. How is that on my thing, but not up there? That's amazing. <laughs> What's going on? Um, <laughs> there it is. Sorry. That was supposed to be a secret message sent up to me, and I blew it right there. <laughs> Next time I'll know what you're doing. <laughs> I have a bottle of water over here. I'm going to visit it. <laughs> All right. So Paul is writing this letter from prison. Paul is sitting in a, you know, in, in jail at this point. He's got two guards chained to him 24 hours a day. It was the ancient equivalent of maximum security prison, right? And so he's in jail. He hasn't been free for quite some time. Um, he's not able to work. He's very limited in his preaching, which is what Paul really cares about. The only people he's preaching to are... The Roman guards. And actually, we found out earlier, he converted a whole mess of them, and he had actually managed to convert folks in the household of Caesar. I mean, he was, he was really accomplishing stuff from prison. You, you couldn't keep this guy down. Um, but from prison, he was asked to write a letter to this church in Colossae, which is in Greek. Greece. Greek. Greece. Um, it's a church in Greece. Paul did not found it. He probably visited it at some point. But he didn't found this church, and he's writing a letter to him to deal with some problems. Specifically, these are doctrinal problems. This is a church that um, um, had a like really like hefty intellectual community around it, like colleges and guys who talked about philosophy and and whatnot. And um, they uh, they started to incorporate some of this philosophy stuff into their their teaching which kind of what it did was it shifted the gospel away from its central message and started adding in some other stuff, okay, which, which churches do all the time today. It's a very common thing. I do my best not to. Um, the other thing that they were incorporating was um, elements from the Greek or the, from the mystery religions of the day, and, and these were, were um, like cultic groups, and they had some really exciting teaching, and so they were saying, well, hey, what if we, we take some of this mystery religion stuff and mix it in? Because it's pretty neat stuff. And so before you know it, they have gospel, philosophy, and mystery religion, like cultic stuff. And, and like they were just slowly drifting off a of center. Um, I, I've only driven a combine once, and I don't think Larry will ever let me do it again. Um, <laughs> but but um, the, like I, one of the things I noticed as you're doing it, it's very easy to drift, 
like, and to just miss little swaths of grain, right? You know, where you just have these little slivers. And, and if you don't kind of kind of steer or have somebody with you, like, like they said, well, pick a center point and aim at it, right? Um, I have never figured out how to aim that thing at anything. Um, <laughs> but but um, you just pick a center point and aim at it. And these guys had no center point. They weren't aiming. They were drifting. And very slowly as they drifted, they were getting off target, and they were, they were getting away from the gospel. And so Paul was asked to write to them to correct this stuff. Um, the previous passages, we opened with um, Paul talking about his prayers to them and basically calling them to live holy lives, right? Meaning, like, live your life in a way that reflects what God has called you to be. Um, we're saved by grace. We don't earn our way into heaven. But part of being saved is you start living different. If you want to, like, scare the heck out of the people around you and, like, make a huge impact on them, live out what Jesus teaches and, like, folks will notice. Does that make sense? There are people around you, actually, and some of you are those people. There are people around you who do this. And they're the people who you want in the room with you as often as possible. Do you know what I'm talking about? These are the folks that love you no matter what and help take care of you and concern themselves over your needs more than their own. I mean, they charge out there and they try to help you. Paul starts out. Live your life holy. Live the gospel. I'm praying for you guys to manage this. Second half of it, he talks about Jesus. And, and that was last week. I'm going to give you the really quick summary. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God. Jesus came and died for your sins, right? Every one of us is a sinner. Every one of us does bad stuff. We actually even keep sinning after we're saved. Don't tell anyone. Um, <laughs> but we continue to struggle. Why? Because we're not perfect. And Jesus died for all of that sin, too. And then after he's died for us, we're made new and brought into God's presence, brought into his new kingdom. Um, this is last week. It's online if you'd like to listen to it. Um, and we're going to move on from there. And Paul transitions. So he's just finished talking about Jesus dying for us and how he's making us new. And, and um, he starts talking about sort of the treadmill stuff, okay? So you own the treadmill. What do you do with it? Everybody with me? Jesus died for you. You're made new. You're a new creation. You're maybe even becoming holy. What do you do now? Everybody with me? Paul starts with what he's doing. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do, not, I, I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. So he starts out, he says, listen, I'm in jail, right? And I'm just guessing jail isn't fun now. Can we all sort of agree on that? Jail would be pretty crummy. Ancient jail, much worse. Ancient jail, worse than Turkish jail. Like, like bad as they get. Ancient jail, really bad. And Paul says, look, I'm here, I'm suffering, but I'm rejoicing. The word there, by the way, and I just read this this week, is Cairo. Cairo. It can be used in multiple different ways. The root of it is the same as joy that we talked about in Philippians, which is sort of this underlying, like, can't break it happiness that doesn't melt like like melt away when your mood changes right it's this this actualization this realization of what it means to be free in jesus and so when paul says hey i rejoice in my sufferings what he's saying is is i'm able to live in a way that's not dictated by the fact that my life is miserable right i'm suffering but i can still like be filled with joy why because i know i'm free in christ and all the suffering I, I experience is just moving in the direction of what God has called me to do, which we'll get to in the second half of this passage, if I can. Okay, here it is. Um, 
and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body. Meaning, so first off, I'm rejoicing in my sufferings, and in my flesh, meaning alive, doing stuff in this world, right? I'm preaching to you in my flesh, right? Because I'm up here and I'm not dead and stuff. Um, when I go out and visit people, you know, I do stuff in my flesh. When the Andersons do youth group for 20 years and invest in kids' lives, like, like that's in their flesh. They're living out their life, and they're serving God in the everyday part of being alive, right? So they're using their life to serve God. He says, listen, I'm in my flesh. I'm doing my share on behalf of his body, meaning the church, which is the church. See, I told you. Um, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. This is a hard passage. What he's talking about is, he's talking about, um, first off, Christ's death saved us completely, right? Everybody with me? There's no other work to be done. It's not like, you know, Jesus died for John, except John is so bad we have to do some additional work to save him. Nope, Jesus died for John. The moment Jesus or John believed in Christ, he was saved, like period forever, right? Um, like John is saved. But John isn't instantly holy. Does that make sense? John isn't instantly perfect. John has to live his life. I'm sorry, I'm using you as an example. Um, John has to live his life overcoming sin, right? And so as Paul serves, Paul is made new. Um, and actually, as he serves, the church is made new. Because he's helping people overcome their sin and overcome their shortcoming. And so what Paul is talking about here, he's not saying, oh, well, I'm doing this work because we got to, because got to earn our way to heaven. No, it's um, we strive for holiness and we strive for advancing God's mission in this world, right? Um, how many of y'all uh, found Jesus at some point in time later in life? Like, I did. I found Jesus in high school, right? Um, I, I became a Christian when I was in high school. I was not raised in the church. I was not always perfect and holy. I know it's hard to believe. Um, my, I, I got a head nod that would have been a face palm if, if she wasn't holding a baby. Um, <laughs> um, somebody shared Jesus with me, right? Somebody told me about who Jesus is and convinced me that, that I needed saving, Right? That person, like, did an amazing thing for me. They completed Christ's work in my life. Like, they brought it to me. And so part of what Paul is talking about is, I'm going out and I'm spreading the gospel. I'm serving people. I'm bringing the gospel forward. Because it's got to take place, right? The work is finished, meaning we're saved if we believe in Christ. But there's work to be done because it's got to be spread, right? Um. Of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit, so that I may fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. So he transitions. He says, listen, I'm going out and I'm preaching, and I'm, I'm a steward. There are two ends to this, right? One is economic, meaning I'm in charge and it's my responsibility to, to administer it, right? Like a boss. Like Paul is, Paul is you know, he's an apostle. He's a leader. He, he's planted churches. He's in a position where he's got responsibility. And, and he says, listen, you know, according to the stewardship from God, meaning God told him to do this. And why did he tell him to do it? For your benefit. Um, I, I'm a minister, right? I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that God has let me do this with my life. Um, but I don't do it for me, right? I'm here for you people. Everybody with me? Because God sent me to be here for you people. Um, everybody who ministers, which should be everybody, by the way, 
Everybody who ministers serves the folks around them with the gifts that God has given them. Meaning like, um, you know, when Larry stands up and sings, we don't look at Larry and think about how awesome it is that Larry has such a beautiful voice and such a gift for, and he looks so like svelte in a tie, you know, like it's so great. We don't look at him that way. Like Larry is serving God for us, like or serving us for God. Like Larry's purpose in, in performing worship and leading worship is, um, the service of God. Um, when it becomes about us, there's a problem. Everybody with me? Um, but our calling from God, Paul's calling for God, and I'm going to extend it and say all of us have a calling for God, from God to serve the, to serve the body, to serve the church. Um, preaching of the word of God, like fully carry out the preaching of the word of God, meaning that Paul is bringing the gospel around. How many of you all don't know anybody who isn't a Christian? Really? You don't know anybody who isn't a Christian? Wow. Most folks know folks, right? It's a, it's a, um, and actually there's a divider there. They say like, you'll see these studies, 60% of people like in a community are Christians and like a third of them show up to church like once a year or more. I mean, like you can say you're a Christian, but there's a difference there, right? If I tell everybody I'm a vegan, right? I, I am a vegan, I do eat steak, and I do drink milk, and I kind of like shooting animals. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's fun. Most of us have done it, right? And I do have a leather jacket I wear occasionally, and you know, <laughs> but it's leather and it's cold outside. You got to wear leather, right? And and I do like honey on my on my cereal. But I, I I I'm telling you, I'm a vegan. Am I a vegan? No, I'm not a vegan unless I stop eating meat and do all that other crazy stuff associated with being a vegan. Um, <laughs> the reality is that um, a lot of us know folks who just don't know Jesus. You are a, a Christian if you know Jesus, right? Like there's, it's not a culture. It's not a, I grew up in, in Montana and we're all Christians here. It's not that. Like you are a believer. You are a Christian if you are somebody who has faith in Christ and are saved by Christ. That's the divider. I hate to be a jerk, but it's the truth, Right? All of us are called to share the gospel with everybody else who, who doesn't know Jesus. This is our call, right? Um, that neighbor over there who, who doesn't know Jesus from a hole in the ground, it's our job to share it with them. Now, how we do that is a whole conversation. Part of it is just loving folks, right? Um, I started going to church. I had a neighbor when I was in high school, or in high school, yeah. I had a neighbor who invited me to a picnic, a church picnic on a Sunday afternoon. And, and the folks there were friendly as all get out, friendliest people I ever met, like ever. I could remember ever meeting. And I went the next week to the same Sunday picnic that they had. Every Sunday they did it. And then I started going to church because they were the nicest people I ever met. And when I got to church, I started hearing the gospel, right? And then I started going to classes because everything I heard made me want more, right? Like I was hungry for Jesus. I didn't know it. Until I started showing up there, and I was like, this is what I wanted, right? This has filled me up. Um, we are surrounded by folks who don't know, and a lot of times the beginning is sharing God's love with folks. Um, Mary isn't here. I'd say loving on them just to mess with her, um, <laughs> but I take that back. Um, like, but we're here to preach the gospel. We're here to spread the word. Why? Because um, Christ is glorified when people are saved, right? Like, Christ's glory is in his obedience to God the Father and in his death on the cross. When we advance the cause of the cross, Jesus is glorified. My job as a saved person is to point to Jesus and say, hey, he's awesome. Look at how great he is, right? 
I glorify him as part of my job as a believer. Um, Moving on, 26. Oh, actually, I have to read the whole. Anyway, um, that I may fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is the mystery which has been hidden from past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints. The mystery. There are whole books written on this subject. And I'm not going to recite one for you this morning. Don't worry. Um, kickoff's at 4. I've got to stop before then. Um, <laughs> 4.30. i got a little more time than I thought. Um, <laughs> the mystery that Paul is referring to here that was hidden from past generations is the mystery of God's intention and his purpose and his work in this world. Right? So like when God began and he gives the law, The purpose of the law, Paul tells us, is to demonstrate to us that we have sin and we need saving, right? If you meet somebody who tells you in order to be right with Jesus, you need to follow these rules, that person is lying to you. They may not know it, but they are Um, because we're right with Jesus through faith. The law exists to tell us what it means to have a relationship with God so that we can know that we don't have one, right? The law exists to demonstrate we're sinful, right? Um, so the mystery is, first off, that, that God put the law there to demonstrate we're sinful, and then that he shows up to save us himself, right? Um, Titus is trying to, like he's walking a little bit now. It's, it's a parent's worst nightmare to have such a small child, like taking steps, because he has no sense. Um, he's just like me. Um, but he tries to climb up onto stuff. I, I watched him last night, and he gets his hands up high. I'm not going to lift my sh- hands up too high. My shirt will go up. Um, but he gets his hands up high, and he tries to pull himself up onto things. Now, that child, he's seven and a half months old. Is he going to pull himself up onto anything? Not at all, right? He ain't climbing nothing. He didn't have the strength to pull that off, right? All of us are not strong enough to reach up to God and climb out of the mess we're in, Right? All of us are not muscular enough. All of us are not good enough. We cannot lift ourselves out of the mud that we sit in. God steps up, reaches down, and picks us up. Right? I do it for Titus 25 times a day, so he'll stop crying. Um, But he's never going to get up to me on his own. Right? Well, eventually he'll grow up, I hope. But that's a whole other conversation. The analogy breaks down there. Um, God reaches down and picks us up. Right? It was the goal of God from the fall. From the very point that sin entered the world, God said, all right, I know what I'm going to do about this. And he starts lining up all of creation to get there. And people would read it, and they had no idea what they were supposed to expect. No idea. You read like Isaiah 57, the, 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 so, the song of the suffering servant, and it looks like the story of Jesus. But before that, people read it, and they had no idea. They were like, it was a mystery. Right? Because they didn't see Jesus coming. The mystery we have is that God loves Carly so much that he'll come along, he'll reach down and pick you up out of the sin you're sitting in. And, and he'll pull Jeremy up out of the mud. Like he, he loves us so much, he'll pull us up and bring, him clo- bring us close to him. We can't reach him, he reaches us. Right? And so Paul says this mystery, this thing that no one else saw, We get to see it, and it's manifested in the saints. How is it manifested in the saints? We live it, right? If we're saved, if we're in Christ, we're living this salvation. 
He goes on, to whom God willed, meaning the saints, it's manifested to his saints, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. All right, really wordy, I'm going to nail it down in a very succinct way, right? Jews who were brought to Christ originally, like if you look at the Old Testament, the Jews, their job, the Hebrews, was to share God with the world, and they didn't do it. The closest they ever really got, they did convert some people around the world a little bit. But there was a period of time where they went out and conquered other nations and made them Jewish. (laughs) And that was about it. They never really spread, like, who God is. They never shared God with the other nations. They really did a terrible job of doing it themselves. But that's a whole other conversation. Um, The saints, these people who had been brought to Christ, Paul is saying, listen, you guys have this job of going out to the lost folks the folks that don't know Jesus, the folks that are still sitting in their sin, reaching up, trying to like, figure out where God is and get out of their mess, the saints, your job is to, is to like, bring them the robe, right? Your job is to share the good news. Is to share, look, you may be stuck, you may be miserable, you may be in the, in the dirt, you may be like, messed up, your sin may be overtaking, you may be drowning in it, but God has a plan to get you out of it, and here's what it is. That's your job. Your job is to share the mystery with those who are lost, which is what Paul is saying here. Um, We go on. We proclaim him. Now, there are several parts to this. We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. First off, when he says man, he means everybody, okay? So women, you're not out of Like, you're not free. It's, It's everyone. He says we proclaim him, meaning... We tell people about Jesus, right? That's the first part. We tell people about who Christ is. We tell people about, like, God's saving work on their behalf. Our calling is, and that's all of you. It's not me. It's not Paul. It's all of us. All of us are called to share Jesus with people, to go out and tell folks about Jesus, about God's saving plan for them. Um, Admonishing every man. So we start off with preaching. Admonishing every man, admonishing basically means warning, right? Now, this has been handled poorly by the church in the past, right? I mean, have any of y'all ever seen a preacher who would stand up and, and do the Turner Burn preach, preaching? You know, or I, I knew a guy uh, in Indiana, hopefully he didn't listen to my sermons, um, but, but he, he worked at the children's home with us, and he would regularly tell kids that, that they were going to hell. And, and, like, these are kids who knew they were pretty crummy, right? <laughs> like, they're all criminals and you know, addicts and stuff like that, and they knew they were pretty crummy guys. And, and instead of offering them hope, he told them, well, hell, pretty much. <laughs> um, this isn't what we do. We do warn people that sin overtakes us, right? We have to take that seriously. Warning is a part of what we do. Um, when I get up and I talk about sin, right, I don't talk about it because I think it's fun to stick the needle in your eye, believe it or not. Um, I, I do it because... It, you need to be warned. Like, we have to overcome our sin. It's a part of following Jesus, right? But we're not saved by overcoming our sin. But, so, preaching, warning, teaching, right? Like, teaching with all wisdom. Um, there's a whole lot to learn. Everybody with me? Like, if I get on my treadmill every day and I walk at, at when you hit start, it goes to 0.5 miles an hour. And, and if you walk there at 0.5 miles an hour, it's really uncomfortable, because, like, I don't walk that slow. 
right? <laughs> like, like if I do that every day for an hour, am I ever going to get any better? Nope, I'm still going to be fat when I'm done. <laughs> I own it. It's okay. Um, <laughs> I have to go faster, right? I have to invest. I have to, I have to run, right? I may have to walk before I run, but I have to run if I'm going to make the treadmill work for me, right? Um, the gospel that we share, the good news that we share, the salvation that you have, you already have your treadmill, right? The salvation you have has to be shared, it has to be spread, it has to be implemented. Um, this is our calling, it's our job. Otherwise, it's sitting in the corner, it's nice to have it, but it ain't doing you no good. You're not doing your job with it. Um, so we, we teach, meaning we bring people to maturity, spiritual maturity, spiritual like understanding and depth. Um, I, I love Titus being a baby. If he stays a baby forever, it's not okay, right? He's going to have to learn to use the bathroom. He's going to have to learn to drive a car eventually. And eventually he's going to have to leave, right? Like these are parts of growing up. And like maturity is what we're called to as a part of our faith. And so as believers, we're called to preach, um, warn, teach, um, and, and um, like in order that we may present people made complete in Christ, meaning spiritually mature, grown up, having made the progress of becoming what God intended them to be. Um, for this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. Paul says, listen, the whole thing I'm doing is this, right? I'm sitting in prison because of this. Does that make sense? Um, again, this is he's preaching to a church that's steering off the path, and so he reminds them, this is your job. And then he shifts. Um, he says, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf for those who are at Laodicea and for all those who have not personally seen my face, that their heart may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining to all wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding resulting in the true knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ himself, in whom are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Big old mouthful, right? Paul is preparing to make his argument, right? He tells them, this is your job. And he says, I want you to know how tough this is for me because I want you to be encouraged. And I want everybody who doesn't even know me to be encouraged. I want to encourage the whole lot of you. I want you to be encouraged because you're all a family. How many of y'all are close to people in this room in ways that you never thought was possible when you were a kid? Or like when you were younger or before. I mean, there, there are people I'm friends with in this room that I never, like I just had no idea that I would have relationships like that. We're knit together in the love of God, right? Intimacy and closeness and everything else is because we're all one body, the body of Christ, right? And he says, listen, you're all together, you're family. You're family in Christ. And the wealth and understanding that you get from knowing Jesus is priceless, right? He says, I want you to have this. I want this to be on you, Um in whom, yeah, Christ, like, I want you to know Christ himself. And he goes on, and here's his argument, right? Paul has done a really careful job of building up to this, because when you tell someone they're messing up, how often do they react nice? Right? I mean, like, if you tell someone, hey, you're screwing up, you're screwing up, you're screwing up, a lot of times they get mad, right? Paul has put a lot of effort into 
telling them what they're supposed to know, reminding them the truth, telling them what their job is, and saying, I want you to be encouraged because you're family in Jesus, and you know Jesus, and it's a wonderful thing. And I say this so that no one will delude you with persuasive argument. (laughs) So Paul is built up, and he's built up, and he's built up, and he's got them to a place where they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, hey, don't get lost because people are confusing you, which is what's going on. He's actually on the front end of steering them in the direction, right? This is, I I think I said it last week, a spoonful of sugar does what? Makes the medicine go down. And Paul has just gotten to the medicine bottle, right? He gives them the truth, gives them their job, and he says, hey, don't let folks who are smooth talkers trick you into believing something that ain't true, right? Any of y'all ever listened to something and it sounded so good, and when you backed up and thought about it, you're like, wait a minute, no, that's not right. I, I love it when you hear a politician answer a question and they talk for about 25 minutes and you realize that they didn't answer the question at all. Um, you know, they, they just do the little sidestep and they, they dance around you and you don't realize. Paul is saying, listen, there are smooth talkers around you. Don't be deluded by these folks. For even though I am absent in the body, Nevertheless, I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and stability of your faith in Christ. So he says, wait a minute, don't get tricked, but I'm really happy to see when you guys are doing well. Paul is, Paul is a very like, gifted writer. He's a very gifted like rhetorician is actually probably the right word. Like He's good at presenting an argument. And what he's done here is he's built up and he's saying, listen, I know you guys are getting lost, but why don't you step back over here? I love seeing you do well. Let's see if we can get you back there. Anybody ever have like a coach or somebody that did that to you where you were wrong and you messed up and they pulled you aside and they said, well, let me, let me tell you how to get back where you're supposed to be. And you felt good when they were done. Paul is offering a gentle rebuke. Um, why is he doing this? Well, he's doing it because he wants them to not get lost. We find out later, actually, if you look at um, the churches around them, Some of the folks that left this church bring false teaching to other churches around them in the area. Um, We see that in the book of Revelation. It's kind of a crazy thing. Um, What do we do with this? Well, for starters, we recognize, first of all, that like our faith in Christ, our saving faith in Christ is the center of it all. And we need to stay focused on that, right? We need to keep our tractor pointed in the right direction. Pick your goal and go after it. Secondly, we need to share it, right? We need to take it out and we need to give it to the neighbors. We need to take it out and we need to give it to people who, who don't, don't have it. I mean, for me, it was, it was people at a church picnic in Alabama, actually. Who would have thought that people at a church picnic in Alabama would affect a community up here in Montana? Who's to say if they're affecting it positively, but like this, they're here and they're there. Um, like the impact of sharing Christ, like, like it feeds back, it produces like... like um, it produces crops a hundredfold. It produces like good um, produce um, times ten and times a hundred. Um, and it it starts with us sharing. It starts with us talking about Jesus. It talks with us. In, starts with us investing in the lives of others. Um, we're gonna uh, we're gonna do communion this morning. I'm gonna call my guys forward for communion. Um, and as we uh, prepare to take the the Lord's Supper, my my challenge for you is to bring your heart to a place where you ask yourself, like, how am I living this out? Um, when we take the body and the blood, the bread and the, 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 the fruit of the vine, like, 
Like what we're doing is we're remembering sort of this physical manifestation of what God has done for us. How God steps into our lives, redeems us, and makes us new. And so my question for you is, like, as you take the elements, um, is the treadmill sitting in the corner? Um, Or are you living it out? On the night that Jesus was betrayed,